0: This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Happy 2022, everyone. Here we are, still drenched in the fresh dew of a new year. May it be a year where we all come a little closer to the heart of Jesus, that we might know him better and love him more deeply, that his love would flood our very being and then overflow from our lives to every single person we encounter. Oh, to stay in, marinate in, be saturated in his love. Yes, God, may our year, our months, our days be characterized by that. Do you make New Year's resolutions? New Year's resolutions are things we determine we would like to add to or take away from our daily lives to help us become more of the person we would like to be. Strategies, practices, habits, disciplines, most of which would be really helpful and some... Well, not so much. It's good to sit with God periodically and invite his eyes on our lives, on our schedules, our practices, and open them up to his input. Ask him, where do I need to pull back? Where do I need to invest in my walk with you on a regular basis that I might be strengthened by your spirit to live and love well in these days I've been given? Show me, God. On the Wild at Heart podcast, we often talk about asking God for a word over the new year, a canopy under which he is working. It's a word or a phrase that highlights the intentions of his heart for ours in the next season. And that is a very good thing to do. Hey, listening to the Wild at Heart podcast is a very good thing to do. But that's actually not what I'm going to be talking about today. Today, here at the beginning of a new year, I want to talk about something that I wrote about in becoming myself almost 10 years ago now not new year's resolutions not even goals but dreams dreaming about your life but not simply out of our wildest desires but out of God's let me let me start with a story i was driving to denver a number of years ago i was rendezvousing with my husband at the wedding of some dear friend's son And it was a wonderful summer day. It was perfect weather. And I was wearing a pretty dress that I particularly loved. And wanting to look extra nice, underneath the dress, I was wearing a modern-day girdle. A suck-you-in-all-over-so-you-can't-breathe-but-your-torso-will-be-smooth torture device. Why? How many women have suffered in the quest to attain Just some out-of-reach level of beauty. So I'm driving to Denver. I'm wearing the hateful undergarment, when it became so painful that I could barely breathe. It was driving into my ribs. I guess it's made for wearing while you're standing up, not sitting down, or an hour behind the wheel. Thankfully, I was able to hoist my skirt up and get a hand underneath and pull the girdle thingy away from my body. But seriously, it took all my strength. I made a fist and let it press against that, driving with one hand. At least I could breathe. But I needed to keep switching hands every few minutes because the thing was so unbelievably strong and tight. And by the way, it was a size larger than I was currently wearing. So it's not that I had on the wrong size. It's that the things are supposed to strangle your body into a size or two smaller. Ugh, seriously. Why do we feel the need to do this to ourselves? What is so horrible about bumps? Please tell me. Because we are killing ourselves figuratively and literally to fit into someone else's definition of what we're supposed to be. And the least of which is it is not comfortable. My mother used to say, beauty before pain, meaning... Being beautiful is more important than not feeling terrible. High heels with their toes pinched into the pointy tip. Spanks, Waxing, trimming, plucking, paying. One of my jobs as the youngest daughter in my family was to pluck the coarse hairs protruding from my mother's chin when she could no longer be able to see them or care. She brought this up with me several times, making me promise to not leave her to this indignity. She was a nurse, and tending to older women, she grieved for those whose personal grooming had been ignored. My mom knew all about those pesky little annoying black hairs. She had a little magnifying mirror that she would look in to go on search and destroy missions. Pluck, pluck, pluck. At about the age of 30, I made the mistake of looking at myself in her well-lit Magnifying mirror. What? Oh my gosh. Why did no one tell me I had a beard? Where are the tweezers? As horrified. Are you kidding me? What was unseen to the mere human eye, or just looking in a regular old mirror, even up close, was magnified to the point of werewolf proportions in my mother's mirror. When my mother passed, she actually left me her mirror because I was hooked. When her mirror finally broke, I bought myself a new one, a bigger one, a better lit one. I encouraged my husband to look in it once and use it to pluck those pesky little nose hairs that seem to multiply as one gets older. And when he looked, he screamed. He screamed, good grief! I'm a (laughs) Wookiee! My husband had the good sense to know that the magnifying mirror wasn't reality at all. It isn't what anyone else sees. It isn't real. He refuses to look in it ever again, and he's urging me to do the same thing and throw the mirror away. I've told him that throwing it away is in my future, but I'm not ready yet. Maybe maybe I'll be ready when I've attained a hair-free status. Or better, maybe I'll throw it away when my soul more fully embraces the truth of what God says about me. God is and has been inviting me to throw the magnifying mirror away and be free. Free from gazing at my multiple imperfections in my face and in my soul and instead receive and believe the reflection he is showing me. Honestly, the only reflection that really matters is the reflection we see in his loving, accepting, and joyous eyes. What does he say? What does he say? Well, he says, we are beautiful now. Song of Songs says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Your eyes are like doves. Friends, Jesus is inviting all of us to relax into the beauty he has bestowed upon us and cease striving to attain a level of smooth perfection That looks wonderful on a doll or on a magazine cover, but is not even attainable in the living, breathing realm of humanity. God does not tell us that the goal is perfection. Perfection in any vital area of your life is not going to happen. There, I said it. Now we can improve. We can grow. We can become more loving, more grace-filled, more merciful. We're no longer bound to sin, slaves to its din of temptation. We're still going to sin sometimes, but we don't have to. The secret is Jesus. The longer I live, the more I believe the old bumper sticker that proclaimed, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's our answer to everything. Our hope doesn't rest on us finally getting it together. Our hope rests in Jesus, Jesus in us, Jesus in you, and in the marvelous work he is doing in each one of his children. Second Corinthians 3.18 is one of my favorite verses. It says, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God is transforming us. We are becoming like him. We won't be all the way perfect on this side of heaven, but Jesus is perfect. God alone is pure perfection always, and we are becoming more holy and true. Jesus already is. His name isn't becoming. It is I am. Perfection isn't the goal. Jesus is. And may he help me one day to break that mirror. In the Song of Songs, Jesus says, Let me see your face and hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Lovely. Now, isn't that a good word? The more I believe God, the lovelier I actually become. I rest in it. Oh, to not be a grasping, clutching, striving, unsatisfiable woman. God says, I am, you are, we are, lovely. Right at this very moment. Really, breathe it in. Every woman has a beauty unique unto herself. I have seen beauty in virtually every woman I have ever met regardless of skin type, body shape, hair color, teeth whiteness, or the number on the scale. Every woman is beautiful. You are beautiful. I am beautiful. I mean it when I say it. And though I have recognized it in other women for as long as I can remember, I've only begun to see it in myself. Yes, I believe I am beautiful. Some days well, some moments. God help us all to believe it more deeply and more often, because in the places where we don't believe it, we continue to shame ourselves. And shame will never help us in our becoming. It is not an agent of change. For too many years, I tried to squeeze my heart and my personality into some sort of spiritual spanks. I didn't just lose myself in Christ. I rejected myself. And that's the opposite of what Jesus does. God accepts me. He accepts you. God thinks we're beautiful today. He not only accepts us, he embraces us body, and soul. He made our unique personalities just as he crafted our unique forms. Embracing ourselves is a stretch for most of us. But consider, Jesus commands us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. How can we love our neighbor as ourselves if we don't love ourselves? How can we become joyful women if we're unable to ever see the humor in our own folly? We do grow into becoming more our true, embraceable selves as we let go of, leave behind, and repent of areas in our lives that have nothing to do with faith or love. But hear me, God does not live in a perpetual state of disappointment over who we are. Let that sink in. He enjoys us. Berating ourselves for our flaws and weaknesses only serves to undermine our strength to become. Repenting from our sin is essential. Beating ourselves up for sinning is no longer an option. Again, our hope doesn't rest on our finally getting it together. Our hope rests in Jesus. And Jesus has proven once and for all, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he loves us he is for you. The center of his heart is fiery devotion, love, commitment, and a passionate pursuit of you. He not only loves you, he likes you. You get to like you too, which includes no longer shunning yourself, but embracing yourself. Now, before you get too worried, Know that embracing ourselves has nothing to do with arrogance or settling for a lower version of who we are meant to be. Embracing ourselves has everything to do with embracing the goodness of God's creative work in us. It means trusting God, believing that all he has made is glorious and good, and that includes us. You are the only one who can be you. You are the best you there has ever been. I like what Dr. Seuss wrote. He wrote, Today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive that is youer than you. So, who are you? What makes you particularly you? Well, what do you like? What do you daydream about? If you could do anything and know that it would go swimmingly well, what would it be? What do you want to be true of you? What do you hope people would say about you after spending time with you? What do you want the impact of your life to be? Take some time before God later this week to let your thoughts go there. do you want? When I was a little girl, I dreamt of riding the range with the sheriff, bringing justice to the West, and rounding up the bad guys. I can still see what I imagined I'd be wearing it's a white leather skirt and a white vest edged with French. I also had on matching white cowboy boots, so there you go. And since I'm telling you stories, I might as well confess that I am one of those people who used to practice her Academy Award acceptance speech in front of the mirror. Standing at the bathroom sink, 12 years old, I practiced looking both humble and startled. I just want to thank all the little people who brought me here. (laughs) Well, I've let those desires go. Those dreams have grown and shifted, but remain expressions of the same core desire— I no longer dream of being a movie star or riding the range, but I do long to make an impact. I do long for justice. About 20 years ago, my How Time Flies, in a small group, my husband John shared some thoughts about desire, the core place in our hearts where God speaks. And then he invited us to write down what we wanted, to write a long list, not to edit it, Nothing was too small or too large to write down. My list turned out to be two pages long, and it had things on it as varied as the garden I wanted to nurture, to riding a horse, the healing I longed for for a few dear ones, and the wedding of a single friend I wanted to dance at. I found that list about ten years later, and to my astonishment, every single item had come true. It had happened. I needed to make a new list. I have. God dreams big. And he invites us to dream big with him. God has planted dreams and desires in each one of our hearts. And they are unique to us. Opening up our spirits, opening up our heart, our imaginations to what we would really like, to even the possibility of wanting, it allows the Holy Spirit to awaken parts of ourselves that are in such a deep sleep, no dreams are happening. God is a dreamer, and he has dreams of you and for you. Now, I know. It's so much easier to dream for other people, to have desires for our families, for our children, for our friends. We can fairly easily name what we want their lives to look like the healing and the freedom we'd love for them to come to know. It's a wee bit more difficult to dream for our own lives. But this moment, this moment is about your dreams and your desires that contribute to the unique. Marvelous woman, you are. The point is not so much as being able to name the desire, as it is to allow God to access the places in our hearts where desires are planted. God speaks to us there about Himself, about ourselves. And let me just say that it's okay to want, and it's okay to want more. Wanting more has nothing to do with being unsatisfied or lacking in your present reality. It's about being open to the more that God wants to bring you in your own life. The possibilities for you are limitless. They are. Yes, they are. Maybe not for tomorrow, but for your life. What is pushing it with God? What can't he do? What is too hard for him? to accomplish in your relationships, your achievements, your creativity, in the fullness of the expression of who you are. We want to be women who are continuing to grow all our lives. We never want to stop. Yes, we rest, but a heart alive is a heart that is awake and curious and pressing in to the more. So again, what do you want? Now, dreaming comes easier for some folks than others. Some people are just natural-born dreamers. And some of our lives have hurt our capacity to dream for ourselves. Wounds will do that. Fear will do that. Four out of five Americans said that they don't have any dreams. And we can imagine why. Life can suck the dreaming right out of you. The living God wants to pour them back in. The living God, who has come to heal our broken hearts and to set them free, wants to pour them back in. 16% of Americans say that they do have dreams, but they don't write them down. 4% have dreams and desires and write them down, but less than 1% review them and update them on an ongoing basis, say, one in a hundred, guess what? It's the people who allow themselves to dream, who embrace them, who write them down and look at them periodically, whose life dreams are coming true. You remember the sentence, aim at nothing, and you hit it every time? It's good to dream with God. We can't outgive him, we can't outlove him, and we can't outdream him. Give yourself permission to dream big, dream deep, dream wide, even in the places where it feels too late or you've been wounded there or have been tempted or have given up. Let this moment be a moment where the Holy Spirit can breathe life and the possibility of dreaming once again with him. I have dreams today that are large and varied. On my list are things like, I want to grow tomatoes in a pot, and they actually grow so that you can eat them. And I want to make an amazing tres leches cake. I want to be able to get on a horse without using a block. There are people I want to see come to Christ, countries I want to travel to and minister in, and a freedom of heart I want to consistently walk in. I have dreams for my husband and my sons and my daughter-in-laws and my grandchildren and our relationships. I want things for their relationships with each other. I want to climb a 14er with my family. I want to be strong. I want to know the heart of God intimately. I want his life to fill me and flow through me powerfully and joyfully. I want to find out how deeply I can dive into the vastness of his love. How much of his heart can I know? There are some dreams that come true here on this side of heaven, as in, I'm pretty sure that one day I am going to be able to grow tomatoes. And then there are some that will simply continue to unfold over time, like really knowing the heart of God. I encourage you to risk dreaming and to write them down. It is good to sit with God in the quiet and ask him to reveal to you, what do I want? And ask him, what do you want for me? I do know that one of the things he wants is for your heart to become more alive more awake and more aware of your own inner workings and his pleasure over who you are right in this moment. Awakening and owning the dreams that God has placed in our hearts, it's actually not about getting stuff or attaining something. It's about embracing who you are and who he has created you to be in him. He is our dream come true and the one true love of our life. But we can't love him with our whole hearts when our hearts are asleep. To love Jesus means to risk coming awake, to risk wanting and desiring. And friends, there's a reason you have the desires you do, some desires you share with many others. Many people want the same core good things, a community, a relationship, a deeper walk with God. But many of your dreams and desires are yours alone. They've been given to you by God for you to awaken to, embrace, nurture, pursue, and then offer. Let God use your dreams to guide you into the fuller expression of your unfolding, glorious self. We need to live from the fullness and presence of our whole hearts in order to become who we are meant to be and play the significant role that is ours to play. We want to be awake and alert. God gives us our dreams and we give them back to him by dreaming. By writing them down, we are not demanding they come true. We are simply owning the reality that they are a part of us. And since they are a part of us, we embrace them. Because God does. Again, we want to be women who live our lives on purpose increasingly aware of the leading of the Holy Spirit and embracing his love, his view, and his call in our lives. His call is tender. It's quiet. It's at the center of our being, in our hearts. God speaks to us in the place of our dreams and desires. So, beautiful one, wake to them. Because if you don't have a dream, how can you have a dream come true? I want to pray for us just in this moment. Jesus, you know that this topic is kind of a tricky one. It's a tender one. It's a place where many of us have known disappointment. But right now, in this place, we give you our yes. We say yes, God. With your breath of life filling us, we ask that you would awaken us to the things that you have planted within our hearts. We want to be awake and alive. We want to be fully yours. We want to be wholehearted lovers of God. So yes, awaken us. Speak to us about the desires you have planted in our hearts and let us ponder them together with you. We say yes to your plan and your desires for our life. Let us dream with you, God. Let this new year be one of deeper intimacy with you and deeper aliveness in our own hearts. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Thanks, everybody. God bless you. Until next time.